Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine Podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this August 2012 episode of the podcast, we're focusing on doing genealogy on the road. And I've got some great tips for you, some tools, products, and websites that are all going to help you do just that. First, we're going to stop by the Genealogy Insider blog and talk with Managing Editor Diane Haddad about what's new in the world of genealogy, including some apps that will help you go mobile. And then in our top tips segment, Denise Levenick is going to be here, and she's going to give us some travel tips from her article called No Place Like Home. It's from the July-August 2012 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Then in our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, David Frixell will be here to give us some mobile websites from the brand new list. It just came out for 2012. It was announced in the September 2012 issue of the magazine. And in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Family Tree Magazine author and instructor Lisa Alzo is going to tell us about her amazing family history trip to Slovakia. And she's going to give us some insights into getting the most out of an international research trip. And finally, we're going to check in at the publisher's desk to talk with Allison Dolan. She's the publisher of Family Tree Magazine. She's got some great resources for us, as always. So there's a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy News with Diane Haddad. We're going to kick off this episode with the news from the blogosphere, and here to give us the scoop is the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. You know, Diane, our theme for this episode is genealogy on the go. And I've noticed that you've been blogging recently about some pretty slick ways to be family history road warriors. Um, I'd love to have you share some of those ideas with us. Sure, absolutely. Well, one thing that I have been curious about ever since I heard of it is that Flip Pal mobile scanner that people have just been talking about and Facebooking about. Right. So um, we are now carrying it in shopfamilytree.com, and they actually sent us one to try out. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity to see what this thing's all about. And it is a really good tool for someone who's doing genealogy on the go and um, going to libraries and relatives' houses and finding documents and photos that they want to scan, but that, you know, your relative might not want you to, to take them to your own house to scan them. Exactly. You're sitting there at the kitchen table and you're like, oh, I need these pictures. <laughs> now you've right. got this like, little portable scanner. It's amazing. Yeah. It was very light. It was probably like a regular hardback book, you know, one of the bestsellers. It was maybe about that right. heavy and big. So that was good. Something that you can do with it is pop the lid off, and then this is where the flip part of the name comes in. You turn it over, and you can put it on a page of an open book or an album so you don't have to try to remove pictures or, like, flatten out the book on a flatbed scanner. Mm-hmm. So you just turn the flip pal over onto the page, and then you can hit the scan button. So you're kind of putting the scanner through the gyrations versus these delicate images and pages. I I think that's really neat about that because it's all about, of course, saving memories. And and, uh, you also were blogging about an app by that name, Saving Memories Forever. Is that right? Yes, that is an app so far just for the iPhone. I'm hoping that an Android version comes out because that's that's what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you download this app and then you can use it to record relatives' answers to questions that you ask them about family history. And then it gets automatically uploaded to 
your free account on the Saving Memories Forever website. And then, of course, they also have a paid version that has enhanced features and more space and all that kind of thing. So these are audio files, audio recordings? Yes. And you're saving them to their site. Can you think you can download them then from the site once you've got them uploaded through your phone? You know that I don't know whether you can um, download it like onto your computer or in another location. I think you can take them from your phone, you know, put the audio file where you want from there. Exactly. Well, that's called Saving Memories Forever. I know that app is free. She says it's in the iTunes store, and uh, we'll have a link to your blogging about that. And you've also been talking about, of course, the 1940 census is wrapping up, isn't it? It is. That was very fast. Ancestry.com has completed their index for the 1940 census, and FamilySearch so far has 37 states in their searchable index, and then all the, the indexing is complete, so they're just processing those remaining states. By the time people hear this, there might be even more states in the Family Search index. So that's great to have two different indexes, so if you can't find an ancestor in one, try the other one You know, and see what both indexes say. Right. And of course, as far as on the go, I know Family Search has its indexing app, but Ancestry also has a free app too, right? Right. They have one that you can actually use to search the records on Ancestry.com. So the free 1940 census records, and then also if you have a subscription, the paid indexes that they have on that site and, and the records. And then you can also keep your family tree in the app. So I do that. And so I can, you know, go to my mom's house and say, oh, hey, look, I found more Diepenbrocks and yeah. show her all of her cousins. <laughs> and you've got all the details right there. You yeah. know, it's so neat because when the Internet first came online, of course, genealogists just rushed to it and saw the potential. And I think we're on the curve as far as uh, mobile goes as well, because mobile computing is just perfect so we can get unleashed from our home office and get back mm -hmm. out on the road. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, do genealogy anywhere. Exactly. Great. Okay. Well, we'll have links to all of Diane's blogs on these various topics and always fun to talk to you. We will talk to you next month. Sounds good. Well, who says you can't go home again? In this month's top tips segment, we're going to talk about some ways to plan for and get the most out of a trip to an ancestral home. And here to help us out is Denise May Levenick. She's the author of the article, No Place Like Home, from the July-August 2012 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Hi, Denise. Hi, Lisa. Nice to hear from you. Well, Denise, there's Something really special about walking around, you know, the ground where our ancestors walked and even visiting a home where they, where they lived. And of course, we don't get a chance to do that every day as family historians. So we, when we finally get that opportunity, we really want to make the most of it. And um, I noticed as I was going through your article that you, you pointed out that it's really all about the pre-planning. That's really the key. Where do you suggest that people start? Well, you need to know where you're going, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, since we're talking about homes and localities, it's a good idea to have a good map. I think that's probably the most important is to have a map and uh, get your stories in order. And stories in order. So are you talking about the, the research, our database? Um, you know, do, are, we, are we picking out key pieces of information before we hit the road? Well, yes, there's a couple different kinds of 
family home tours you might want to do. You might want to do something with your relatives that have lived in the homes recently, like I did with my mom and my aunt. Or you might want to take a trip to a real um, ancestral home. And uh, like I've gone to Vermont and tried to kind of walk in my ancestors' footsteps or locate the farms they have. And that requires a little bit more research. Right. In fact, you know, you mentioned maps, and I love using Google Earth for um, family history maps and genealogy. And when my husband and I went over to England, uh, we did all our pre-planning, plugging things in on the Google Earth map and really getting familiar with it. So when we got there, it was almost like uh, coming home again in the sense that we weren't lost. We really had a sense of, of where we were and where things were located. Is that what you mean by kind of having your maps so you're a little more accustomed to it once you get there? Well, yeah, it's a good idea because you just uh, you, you never know what you're going to find, you, if you, especially if you're using an old map. Um, it's a good idea to kind of synchronize that with a new map and and get an idea of of what landmarks are in the area, what changes might have happened. Um, You you just never know what you're going to find. Yeah, exactly. Now, I noticed um, you have about seven key things here in the article that uh, we should be thinking about and, and, and doing ahead of time. And I love the little breakout box that you have. It's called All the Stops. And you talk about kind of a list of, of things we may not be thinking about when we plan this trip, but but there are some really neat ideas here on how to kind of enrich the visit. Um, give us some of, some of those ideas. Well, um, it's a lot of fun when you're, especially if you're, if you're driving around with family members and part of, this is part of a reunion activity or just something with, you know, your, your mom or your sisters or something. Um, it's, it's fun to touch base with places that they may remember more than just a house. I know we had a, as we drove around my mom and my aunt, um, looking at their the homes that they had lived in, it was fun to see their church, the schools, um, even the soda fountain where my mom worked at her first job. That was fun. Oh, how fun. I bet uh, she had lots of memories of that. I know my mom, uh, What she, she said she wore the roller skates and she worked at the A&W and it was a car hop in the 50s. You oh know, my goodness. And pretty fun to see yeah. where she was skating, you know, and, and serving the customers. So we, we, we gather this information and um, we've kind of mapped out our route. But what about once we get there? Did you, do you find that when you make these kinds of trips that you tend to stick to a plan or do we need to leave a little bit of room for the impromptu things? Oh, leave a lot of room. That's the best part. We had such a good time. This, the trip I wrote about with my mom and my aunt, we took, um, it was actually my mom's last visit to Southern California. And I'm so glad we did that. The whole day is just a wonderful memory to me. Mm-hmm. And we had our list of addresses. Um, but we got a little bit lost. We weren't quite as good as you with the Google Maps. And <laughs> thank goodness my, we had a little GPS in the car, so that helped. And, you know, we parked in front of the houses, and my mom and my aunt started arguing about which house they lived in. Was it that one or the one next door? And that was, you know, that was fun. If we had been on a tight schedule, we couldn't have just sat there and listened to those two sisters Um Oh, compare notes and just try to noodle it out. Finally, they got out of the car and they walked around, walked down the driveway. It was great fun. 
You know, and that kind of touches on something I was thinking about, which is that if we do, which I tend to want to schedule everything, but we left a lot of room when we got over to England. And I find that if you schedule too tight, you then stay so focused on the schedule that you don't have time for that kind of impromptu, hey, let's get out of the car, you know, so that's a really great reason to make sure that you've given lots of cushion time and all that planning. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we did take some, I had photographs of some of these pictures, some of the houses they had lived in. And um, one thing I really wanted to do was at some of them, um, get my mom and my aunt out and have them stand in the same place. Mm -hmm. So we did a little, we recreated that old photo with the same people. And that was really fun. That was fun to do. Oh, yeah. And you've got in the article a couple of websites I just love that are kind of along those lines of how to uh, do the old photo and the new photo. And and it's just a wonderful kind of time warp, (laughs) if you will, in terms of family history. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, lots of uh, neat ideas in here. Are you um, planning any future family history trips? Well, my mom and my aunt have both passed away since that last trip. Right. So it's another reason not to wait too long to do it. Yeah. Um, and I probably, you know, I, I've, gone, I've gone back by some of those houses because I found old letters with the addresses, and I kind of was able to put that little discussion of which house should we live in to kind of put that to bed. But I hope to get back to Vermont. I really am. Um, I'm, I'm tracking those people down, and I want to see where they live there. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, sounds wonderful. Well, if you want to track down where your people lived, kind of go on a trip down memory lane, I, I highly recommend Denise's article. It's called um, No Place Like Home, and it's in the July-August 2012 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Denise. Thanks so much, Lisa Louise. Nice to talk with you. In this episode, we've been talking about genealogy on the road, and there are some genealogy websites that have made the 101 best websites list for tracing your family history that are particularly helpful for on-site research. To tell us more about them is our good friend, list editor, David Frixell. Hi, Dave. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing great. Having a wonderful time, of course, talking about hitting the road and, and doing genealogy. I was hoping you could give us some examples of some of the websites that we might pull from our 101 list and we should be looking at that would help us while we're on the road. Sure. Well, first, when you're at home, um, the some of the websites that are new this year, um, I have to start with Pinterest because the credit for that one goes to um, our daughter, who turned me on to it because she was using it for planning her wedding. Uh-huh. So all the, what it is, is basically sort of a scrapbook in the cloud. Yeah. And so she was taking, you know, their pictures of wedding decor things and so forth. And re- hearing about it and seeing her stuff, I thought, boy, this would be perfect because you could pin, as they call it, maps and census records and all sorts of genealogy stuff just the way she was doing, you know, frilly wedding stuff. And then you can, of course, access it for anywhere, um, if, say, if you're on the go. And there are, there's a Pinterest uh, app for the iPhone, and there are a bunch of apps that work with Pinterest that aren't necessarily official ones um, that you can get. So it's, it's such a neat uh, thing, and that's a newcomer to the, uh, the list this year. 
Then a couple of other sites that uh, are notable this year that sort of popped up, we, there seems to be a boom in map-related sites, if you will. So there's this site called Historic Mapworks, and it's basically a, a subscription website uh, that's a database of about 1.6 million historical maps. And what's really cool in terms of going on the road is that they have been geocoded to match modern maps. So when you find, you know, your ancestors, um, you know, ancestral uh, farm or whatever, uh, you can do an overlay and see where that uh, is today. So, uh, you know, off you go on the road to, uh, you know, discover. And then another one on the list that's uh, relatively new is called History Geo. And it, again, has old maps. It's a subscription uh, one. And you can add markers and annotate maps and save to a personal map collection. So, you know, you've got your laptop off you, you know, off you go. You've saved, uh, you know, the map of uh, the old ancestral stomping grounds and uh, off you go. Yeah. And oh, I love, well, all three of them, actually. Uh, Pinterest, though, for those of you who haven't used it, you know, the way he described it, you're really talking about kind of a, a bulletin board, a virtual bulletin board, where you can grab elements and ideas and pictures and things off the web as you're doing your research for your trip and um, kind of pin them. And they end up all together in one group that you can then refer back to no matter where you are because they're on the cloud, right? And of course, you can share it with, it's really designed to share. So yeah. you can share it with, you know, your uh, f- fellow cousins and with the you know, person who you're going to go visit uh, and go see the cemetery together or whatever. And, of course, you can use it for things like, uh, you know, that are not directly related to genealogy, like the brochure or whatever for the uh, hotel where you're going to stay at on the road, that kind of thing. So uh-huh. it's, it's a very cool um, application. Now, when we go into, speaking of apps, uh, like in the iTunes store or the Google Play store, um, you type in the word genealogy, more and more apps are coming up. I remember when we first launched the Genealogy Gems podcast app, there was just a handful that came up under genealogy, and now there's quite a few. And of course, one that's going to pop up on the front screen is uh, Ancestry. And since so many of us are using Ancestry on our desktop computer, um, sometimes we have different expectations about what the app is going to do. So tell us a little bit about the Ancestry app that we might take with us on our iPad or our iPhone and, and how that may differ from the website itself. Well, what, you really, what I really like about the app is it really sort of integrates your family tree. There are a number of apps where you can take your family tree with you. I use the Reunion app, for example, mm-hmm. because I'm on a Macintosh. And what's nice about it is that it synchronizes you know, perfectly. There's a new one I just reviewed for Family Tree called Heredus that does the same sort of thing where you can synchronize and put your uh, database, in effect, on your iPad or iPhone. And so that's very cool. What Ancestry does is it does that in that it lets you access your uploaded Family Tree on Ancestry, but then it integrates that really with searching on Ancestry. So you can be going back and forth in some ways, it's almost cooler than searching on the regular web, Ancestry website because you really have that sense of, oh, I'm working in my family tree now, and then boom. And you can, you know, so that's perfect for going on the road because not only when you're, you know, at that cemetery and you want to look up Great Aunt Mabel, yeah, you can do that. But it, you, what if you find something new about Great Aunt Mabel? Well, if you've got internet access there with, you know, 3G or something, you can not only find what you know about her and add your new information, 
but you can go on Ancestry and see if it really is true that Great Anne Mabel was married in 1905, you know. Um, so that integration of the, with the records is very exciting. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know for me, some of the ones that are my favorites, um, I love Dropbox, which I can't live without because it seems to integrate with every other app I have on my iPad. And I think the, the two that I that I use that are like that are Dropbox and Evernote. And Evernote was the other one I was going to say, yeah. Uh, I'm taking the words out of your mouth, sorry. Um, I use them in different ways, and I can't quite explain how. Um, I think Evernote is really good for clipping, um, sort of like we're saying with Pinterest, so for clipping web pages. Mm-hmm. Um, if I see something on there and I want to save it, I'll save it to Evernote, and it syncs on my computer, my iPhone, my iPad. Um, Dropbox I tend to use more for saving documents yeah. so and for backing up. Um, so if I want to access something on my iPad later, I'll put it into Dropbox from my home computer so that wherever I am, I can then get to it. And I think that's a really good point, because when we're on the road, we don't always have our Wi-Fi connection. And so if you really get good at using an application like Dropbox to carry some things with you and use that read it later type feature in some of these other um, apps, you can then make good use of time where you don't have that connection and you're still using your mobile device. Right. Do you have any other websites that are on the, the new 101 best website list uh, or, or even the older ones that, that the websites have mobile apps, things that we should maybe check out? Well, WorldCat is a, uh, a great one because, again, it's not designed just for genealogists, but the idea is basically a catalog of kind of all the books in the world. Yeah. Um, and you can look up, and not only will it tell you um, the details about that book, but it will tell you what libraries organized by those nearest you uh, have that book. So talk about, uh, you know, being on the road. It, you might be driving around and, you know, check something out at Wilk and it says, oh, it's in the Denver Public Library, and you just happen to be in Littleton, Colorado, so let's go up and check that out. Exactly. Uh, and it has, it has a, uh, an iPhone app um, as well as, of course, you know, the mobile website. So that's very cool. Um, History Pen, which is another one of those sort of map-related um, websites I, I did a toolkit on for the magazine. And, again, it uh, sort of lets you put history on the map. Um, and, of course, that's a handy thing to be able to take along with you on the road. Mm-hmm. Wonderful ones. And there's MyHeritage and Family Search Indexing, um, Facebook. We're all connecting with our, our distant cousins on Facebook. So Yeah, and I depend on my daughter for Facebook. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> she's the she's Facebook expert, Twitter, you know, all that sort of. I just refer to it as FaceTweet, and, you know, she knows what I'm Face tweet, right. <laughs> well, those are all great. We'll have a list of all of the, the uh, wonderful sites and apps that Dave and I have been talking about here on the show in the show notes. And um, I knew you'd be the go-to guy for this. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to that new 101 Best Websites list. Thanks. Drive carefully out there on the road. Well, since we're talking about genealogy on the road in this episode, I've invited back author Lisa Alzo. She has just returned from the road herself. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be back. Well, you've been on an exciting trip this year. I know this is not your first time, but tell everybody where you've been. Well, I went to my ancestral homeland, which is uh, over in Europe, Slovakia. And uh, I went there first in 2010. 
And uh, at that time, I went to three out of four of my ancestral villages because all four of my grandparents came from Slovakia. And this time, I went back uh, for a very specific reason. I really wanted to go back to that fourth village, and uh, but I did get to see some other uh, family members, too, while I was there. Well, that was um, very considerate of all your grandparents or all your, your ancestors to be from the same country. That makes it a little easier to make the rounds. But but even then, how interesting, you know, that you, you couldn't get to all of them in one trip. So I guess that's probably one of the first things to realize. We can't do it all at one time, can we? No, unless you're planning to stay for a couple of months or something. Uh, but you really do need to, to plan. Uh, you need to do a lot of forethought into, you know, where you're going and what you're going to be doing. And and the, the first time around, I was so excited, and, and I had a specific reason for going to, to meet a, a cousin I had been in touch with uh, via the Internet. And uh, so I was just, I was lucky that uh, the three out of the four villages were really in the eastern part of Slovakia, and they were fairly close to get to uh, from each other. But the fourth village was up in the Carpathian Mountains, and it was a little more complicated trip. Right. Now, I know, you know, obviously this is not your, this wasn't your first trip, but were there any surprises this time around? I know you're a, a very seasoned traveler, but I imagine you just can't prepare for everything. Oh, no, that's what I found out. I mean, I really packed in a lot of stuff in the nine days that I was there. But uh, one of the things that, that I was surprised about was going to my grandfather's village of Osternia, which was in the Carpathian Mountains. Um, I went there, you know, with my specific information of what I wanted to find, and uh, one of the things was that my grandfather's family had moved from there when he was a young boy, and they moved to a village, oh, about maybe 20 miles away, which it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you look at the terrain and you look at the the obstacles and the time period of trying to, you know, move around, I, you know, it kind of caught my interest as to, you know, why they would move to this place. Well, anyway, I ended up uh, doing some research in the, the town hall there, and I, I found out that my great-grandmother had died in um, the near, nearby village of Podolinic, but my grandfather had a sister who had stayed in Slovakia, and I, I had known that she did, and I knew her name, but didn't know anything about her family or, or her children. And uh, I ended up meeting cousins that I didn't know I had uh, by just by sheer luck. The, the town clerk uh, recognized the name we were researching, and, and, and one of the ladies in the office walked, literally walked us over to the house and introduced uh, introduced me to this woman who is my cousin. Wow, that's amazing. Now, of course, it's it's not so much luck, it's genealogical serendipity, isn't it? <laughs> I believe so. And I'll tell you what, it was like an episode out of Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah. Because when my guide and my translator said who I was, she said, just a minute, she comes out and she pulls out this marvelous family tree that she had oh. created of the the answer, the people that had stayed over there. So she had a family tree that I could merge with mine. Isn't that amazing? Now, you just kind of mentioned in passing that you had a translator and a guide. And I know I was just amazed how when you told me you did much of this trip by yourself. 
are those some of the key things that you that you really need to have in line when you go into a country where you don't know the the area or the language? I think it's extremely beneficial. Uh, unless you're very brave and you you want to take on the language and kind of you know <laughs> deal with it as you go. But for me, uh, I felt had I not had the guide and the the, the somebody that really knew the language. I would have had a much more difficult time navigating around, especially inside the archives, because he had researched in the archives that we were looking at before. You know, he knew all the policies, the procedures. He could communicate, you know, very well with the staff, even though they spoke they spoke limited English. But it would have been a lot more difficult for me to try to communicate on my own, and and I think that is a consideration if you're going, especially if you're going to a country where. You know, English may be spoken, but not in all parts or not in all places. I, I think having somebody that, that really knows what to do and where to go, it, it really helps. It really helps immensely. Right. Now, you mentioned going to an archive. Obviously, your your guide, your translator is certainly a big help there. What are some of the major differences between doing research here in the U.S.? and then doing it abroad. Did you find that, that there were different, uh, you know, hours of operation, and you were talking about policies and procedures? Uh, what did you run into there? Absolutely. Uh, it, it always pays to know when they're open. Uh, you know, for example, this, this town clerk's office that we visited in Poto Lentz, we, we went there on a Friday. We could have gone there on a Thursday, but we found out that they were closed. They are closed on Thursday, so oh. we went... We adjusted our schedule and we went on Friday. Also, you know, how you get the records, what forms you have to fill out. You know, they'll want, like, a copy of your ID or your passport. You know, they write down information. You have to, you know, sign forms. Uh, one of the archives we went to had uh, asked that we not, we couldn't pay them in cash. We had to go to the post office and get these special stamps that oh. they would take. So there are different things, and so it's always good to either try to research this either using the web or if you are using a professional, they should know this ahead of time, and mine did. My guide knew this, but it, it's different. I found that it's just different everywhere you go, and and the level of welcoming and cooperation and what you have to do also varies depending on where the archive is, who's working, what day it is, what's going on, it's and so forth. So, you, yeah, it, it really helps to either, you know, really do the research before you go and know what you're getting into or relying on a professional that has had that experience because it, it there would be nothing more frustrating than, you know, going over and you have a li- limited amount of time and, you know, if you're shut out and you don't have any other days or flexibility, then you've missed all that time. Oh, Exactly. And I mean, you're a professional genealogist, you write about genealogy. So I think it's, it's comforting to know for for everybody listening, that even someone who does this for a living as you do, you're still relying on other experts and people. So we don't have to be embarrassed or, or hesitant about enlisting that other professional help so that you can make sure you make the most of the trip. So I was going to say, I, I, don't, I never claim to know it all, and especially when I, you know, when I get into foreign archives, you know, that's, it's, it really is different territory. I mean, you know, you're looking for the same types of records, but 
the procedures are different. The, the, the you know the culture is different. The language is different. Everything is different yeah. than what you may be used to in the U.S. And so you know I you know I don't have you know I'm, I'm not one of those professional genealogists that travels and does this you know for a living. I you know so I rely on my colleagues and and the networking. You know, that I can do uh, over there, you know, in, in the country that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, I, I can't pass up without asking you, you know, you mentioned that one of these distant relatives comes out and she's got this wonderful family tree. And I'm, I'm envisioning my first thought in my head is, hmm, I wonder how she captured that tree. Do you have a favorite gadget that you absolutely won't travel without something to either take scans of, of images or that type of thing? Well, this this time, I I traveled with two, well, actually three pieces of equipment that I found invaluable. One, I took my iPad. Two, I took my foot-pal scanner, mobile scanner, which I used to scan the photographs that these cousins had uh, in their house. So I was able to scan them and 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 save them uh, without having to to go off site or doing anything else. And then I had my, my smartphone, I had my BlackBerry with me, and I was able to use that. I was able to use um, apps like Evernote uh, because I could do voice recordings mm-hmm. or, or I can do video or I could do pictures. And so those three things really, you know, the flip the smartphone, and the iPad were really, really great tools to have. And finally, you know, you teach a class for Family Tree University, and this is our our Family Tree University crash course segment. And for those who might have Eastern European genealogy, as you do, tell us uh, quickly about your class and how that might help them prepare for a trip like this. Well, the the uh, one of the ones I do, I do uh, discovering the checking for the lost roots. So that that takes you everything from the beginning, from doing your, you know, your. Uh, U.S. research or North American research, and then taking you across the pond and, and going over some of these things that, that I talked about. Also, I do one on Hungarian uh, genealogy, and uh, recently I just took over doing the the Polish class too. And so they're all they're all um, they're all good overviews, and and then they get into the specifics for each particular country because even though they're all Eastern Europe. They are uh, different in some of the resources you're going to be uh, getting and, and where to look for the records and so forth. And so uh, that's why they're, they're, they're separated to, into different, in the different classes into the specifics. Terrific. Well, we'll have links in the show notes to all of Lisa's classes so that if one of those areas is right up your family tree, then you've got some, some homework to do before you uh, take off on a trip yourself. And Lisa, I'm... I'm so excited to hear about your trip. I'm so jealous. I can't wait to do my next one. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing it with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Well, as we wrap up this August 2012 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, let's check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Allison, we've been spending this episode talking about uh, genealogy on the road, but, you know, being on the road doesn't mean that you can't attend a genealogy conference somewhere else anymore, does it? 
No, it doesn't. Family Tree University, we have actually just the thing for folks, whether you may be traveling for work or on vacation or um, just want to kind of get away from the family and have a little time to yourself for a weekend. Wherever you happen to be, we have a virtual genealogy conference coming up in September that you can participate from anywhere that you have an internet connection. Exactly. That's the beauty of it. And uh, this is, of course, one in a series of conferences that you guys have done. I've had so much fun being a part of it. And this one's coming up September 14th through the 16th of 2012. What kind of topics are you guys going to do this time around? We always have three tracks to the virtual conference. And so those three core content areas or genealogy technology, how to make the most of tech tools and computers in your research, mm-hmm. research strategies, which is really about how to make the most of records and um, learn some tricks to methodology that will help you get past your brick walls. And then finally, of course, we have an ethnic research track because everybody's trying to trace somebody um, somewhere. And so we have a few sessions on UK and German and Canadian research that will be helpful for tracing your ancestors outside of the United States. Exactly. I know I'm looking forward to putting together, I'm working on the best websites for historical maps. That's going to be my class. And the instructors were putting together these uh, pre-recorded 30-minute videos. So talk about a little bit the format of how a virtual conference works and why that offers so much flexibility. Absolutely. Yeah, it truly is flexible because, as you mentioned, the instructors record the presentations ahead of time. So during the three days, you don't have to worry about showing up at a specific time in order to catch the lecture that you want to see. You know, they're all there. You can make your own schedule. You can decide which videos you want to watch and which ones you don't. You can, you know, watch some multiple times. And then the best thing is that you get to keep it forever. So even if you're not able to absorb everything all at once, you have the option to download those classes and watch them again later so that you can, you know, pick up anything that you missed during the weekend, as well as just kind of refresh your memory. Because I know when I'm at a conference, everything doesn't always sink in right away because I'm on information overload. And so having the opportunity to kind of rewind and review what I, I watched is really helpful so that I can make sure that I make the most of the information. Yeah, exactly. You get a chance to, and you can also go back and rewatch it when it's ready and applicable to what you're doing. That's what I love about it is, you exactly. know, maybe I'll be tackling a particular thing in three months from now and I go, I have a video on that. I can go back and watch it from the conference. And I know that some of us instructors are going to be doing tweet ups and Facebook chats. I think I'm doing a Facebook chat. This is my first time. Tell the audience what a tweet up and a Facebook chat is and how they can participate. Of course. Well, the idea here is that we wanted to give folks an opportunity to meet our presenters and ask some questions or about the conference and also some questions about the topics that our presenters will be speaking on. And so basically how this works is we've set up some specific times where um, our presenters will be available to talk via Facebook or via Twitter. And you just show up at the time. Our presenters will be there monitoring the Facebook or Twitter and just be available to talk about 
the virtual conference and the different sessions that we'll be covering. Yeah, it's a chance just to kind of get to know them too. Yes. When you go to a live conference, you don't really get a chance to, to chat a little bit with the instructor and find out you know about their background and what they're doing and what they're bringing to the conference. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. I, I love being able to have that time to, to chat with the participants. You've got some deals, of course, and you've got a of big sweet, uh, sweepstakes coming up and a coupon code so they can save some money, right? Yes. Well, right now, through the 22nd of August, we are running a sweepstakes to give away one free virtual conference registration. You can find out more about that by going to familytreeuniversity.com. But then we also have a coupon offer for 20% off. That'll save you $40 off of your registration. And the coupon code for that is FTU0812. And you just enter that when you register to get the discount. Terrific. And by the way, I know for the tweet ups, there's a hashtag so that people can also go back and look at the conversation. So tell us what the tweet up hashtag is and how they can also go back and, and check out the conversations that occurred on Facebook. For Twitter, the hashtag is FTUVC. So if you type that in, you'll be able to see what was talked about if you missed it. So that's VC for virtual conference. FTUVC. We'll have that in the show notes. For Facebook, They'll be posted up on our wall. So if you just go to the Family Tree Magazine Facebook page, you'll be able to go back and look at the entire chat there on our wall to review all of the comments. Great. So what you should do now, you're listening to the show, go to Facebook and type in Family Tree Magazine in the search box and then just go like Family Tree Magazine so that you're attached to it and it's going to show up in your home feed. And then you can go back, check out the various conversations. It's going to be a load of fun. You guys are going to keep us all busy and we're just going to get ramped up. Kind of a back to school, isn't it, for September? It is. All the kids are going back to school. We genealogists should get exactly. our turn too. Oh, perfect. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next month. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me for this August 2012 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. This is the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and visit the Genealogy Insider blog for all the latest genealogy news on a daily basis. You will find that at blog.familytreemagazine.com insider. Next, head on over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast to find the show notes for this episode. They include the information and website links for everything that we talked about in today's episode, including those apps that Dave told us about and Lisa's Eastern European genealogy course at Family Tree University. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, and Genealogy Made Easy. And both of those shows are also available for free in iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 